Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here with Buck Sanders and Jason Staples. And today, guys, we are going to be continuing our podcast from last week where we talked about the interview that Buck did with new defensive back coach Baker. And now we are going to also talk about the interview that Buck did with new wide receiver coach Luke Paschal. So Buck, uh, just like we started off last podcast, just go ahead and give us your overall thoughts here. Um, Paschal's obviously a young guy. So what kind of stood out with you initially? Well, one thing about Luke, he's a very energetic guy and very positive, very upbeat. You know, I, I don't think he uh, intentionally sugarcoats anything, but uh, he just, you know, one of those guys that are a glass half full guy. And I think he's got that sort of uh, attitude that, hey, uh, you know, we're going to be good. Everything's going to be great. We got this. He, he's just one of those guys that really you like being around because they're positive. But, uh, that was my initial impression, and, and I think he was pretty sincere in everything that he said. He's just a guy that leans towards being a very positive person. Those people are just the worst, aren't they? Positive. <laughs> oh, man, just the I, worst. I know. But, hey, Jason, you've actually spent quite a bit of time, too, with uh, Coach Pascal. So let's get your just overall thoughts on, you know, what, what kind of guy he is and um, your takeaways from your conversations with him. Future head coach. And a good head coach, in my view. Uh, I mean, I don't know how good of it, how good he's going to be in terms of organization and running an organization. That's something that you know, long term, that's going to be where, obviously, in order to to be a successful head coach at that level, that's where he's going to have to have to prove himself. But he has all the traits, as far as I can tell, uh, based on my interaction with him. I, I agree with Buck that he is super positive. He's the kind of coach that if you play for him, you 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 trust him quickly because he's honest, but at the same time, his honesty. It, he he exudes it's not just positivity it's confidence and it's confidence that i know what i am i know what we are as a team i know what we can do and i'm not going to ask you to do stupid stuff and as a player when you have a coach that comes in with that kind of perspective you trust that guy and you play harder for that guy and then you combine that with the energy that he brings to the table as a younger guy as a guy that, you know, he's the kind of guy that he's going to wear cleats in practice kind of coach. 
I just I, I think I think he's a, a a really really good hire. I was surprised by how good of a coach he was in the film room uh, when I got a little chance to spend some time with him there and watching him on the field some. Uh, I think they, they, I mean, I think, I think he's a really, really good coach. One of the better coaches on this staff. And actually the funny thing is I had a chance within about two weeks this summer, I spent time with both him, with both Luke and his brother, Walt, who's down the quarterback's coach at Florida state. Now I got a chance to spend time with both of them. And it's crazy because they're, they're, they're almost clones of each other in terms of the, the way they talk, the stuff that their philosophies, the stuff that they do on the field and, you know, how they present certain concepts and all that. And both really, really good coaches, and the the chance that they have to bounce ba- bounce stuff back and forth off each other is also another plus. So, uh, but anyway, I, I think he's I, I think he's a really, really good coach, and I'm I'm excited to see the difference that he's going to bring to the Carolina offense this year. Not just at his position, but a larger difference overall. And and also, I think he's got a lot to bring to the table at special teams. When you're talking about the staff as a whole, I thought it was interesting that. At the beginning of the interview here, we kind of saw a mirror image of what happened in Buck's interview with Coach Baker, where Coach Baker talked a lot about the wide receiver group, actually, and how they were matching up against the cornerbacks. And here you saw Coach Pascal talk about the same thing and his kind of views on the defensive backs. So he, he really had some insight to, to give there. Buck, we'll start with you. Talk to us about that and kind of just uh, the, the questions that, that you asked him there. Well, uh, as things worked out, I talked to Coach Baker first. And during the course of the interview, I hadn't really planned it that way, but um, it just occurred to me to ask, well, which of the wide receivers, you get to see them from the other side of the ball, which of the wide receivers do you think are, you know, uh, give you a problem or, you know, will be a problem for other teams. And Henry had some uh, some good things to say about all that and interesting things to say. So when I started the interview with Pascal, which came about 30 minutes later, it was fresh on my mind. So I just told uh, Luke, I said, hey, look, I just want to start out by asking you same question that I asked Henry Baker about which of the cornerbacks uh, you think are, you know, are, are difficult to uh, go against for your guys. And so that's how we got into it. You know, in the Baker interview, he did not necessarily single out Patrice Renee, you know, when he was talking about the defensive backs, but Luke did. He was the first name that Coach Pascal mentioned because of his length. And, you know, he mentioned that he's hard to get around it doesn't matter uh, what kind of release you do. He's uh, has ability to have a hand on the wide receiver because of his length. Um, and so he has some really good things to say about uh, Patrice Renee. And then, you know, he said the, the things that we all know about KJ sales, about sales being a, a very super competitive guy and uh, with a lot of confidence. And, and uh, just to follow up on what Jason said about Coach Pascal, because I wanted to say amen to that, you know, I was using the word optimism, but confidence is, I think, probably the more accurate term to describe, you know, sort of his approach. So, uh, you know, th- I thought that was a good catch there by Jason. And being a coach yourself, Jason, when you see kind of the two opposite side positional coaches both kind of give that praise and single out individual players, do you think that there's a lot to to glean from that? 
or do you think maybe a portion of it is just a little bit of coach speak trying to build up maybe some egos on one side or the other? Um, it, it depends. I think in this case, he's, I think he was being, being honest in terms of what I saw in practice, in terms of uh, the traits that he singled out in terms of what makes those guys difficult to get off of in coverage. And also in terms of the question that was asked in terms of the guys that stood out, it's not surprising that he singles out the older guys who are a little bit further along. And, you know, those are the guys that are generally going to give the, give his receivers the most trouble. So, so I think a lot of times you can kind of tell when it, when a coach is trying to push some buttons to get a guy more confident, this didn't read to me or sound to me like someone who's trying to do that. I think, I think he's basically identifying these are the guys that gave us the most trouble and these are their traits. Uh, and, and I don't think he blows a whole lot of smoke in that regard. Good deal. Well, hey, let's go ahead and um and move into then where Buck, you asked Coach Pascal about what it's going to be like to have him on staff. And specifically, and I think this is very fair to say, that Coach Pascal has big shoes to fill moving into the vacant slot at wide receiver coach left by Gunter Brewer. And I mean, Coach Brewer is one of those guys where you're never going to really completely replace him, especially not after a season or two. But I thought that his response to your question here was pretty interesting. So let's go ahead and play that audio. Going from Coach Brewer to me in that room specifically, you know, I, I GA under Gunner for uh, five, six years. So we're kind of speaking the same language. We're saying the same things. And because the offenses that I've been around have been similar, it was a slide right in. And now my personality is a little bit different in some ways, which has been, that's probably been the, the, the most, I don't want to say the most difficult, but the, I, I guess challenging because I am different in, in a lot of ways than Coach Brewer. But in terms of football and terminology and what we say and and what we expect that, that a lot of things are the same all right and and buck let's go ahead and get your thoughts overall of what you thought the response from coach pascal how he addressed it and kind of you know his thoughts um on filling that gap i guess to answer the first part of your question yeah i've known coach brewer for a very long time you know he was on the unc staff in the in the bunning era and then left and uh, went to Oklahoma State, then to Ole Miss, then came back with uh, Coach Fedora. So I'd known Coach Brewer from his previous time at UNC and, uh, you know, also while he's been on staff with Coach Fedora. And the the thing about uh, Coach Brewer is he was always, you know, he's not young as Luke Pascal, but he was also a very energetic guy. And funny, colorful. He was uh, kind of a character uh, in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, they demonstrated the confidence they had in him on the recruiting trail by basically handing him the Charlotte area to recruit. So uh, he was a good, solid recruiter for North Carolina and a a good coach who, you know, he, he really didn't get immersed in the spread offense philosophy until he got to Oklahoma State. You know, obviously when he was at North Carolina under Coach Bunning, they weren't running the spread then. So, And, and I'm going to jump in here. I, I think that's one of the places where, you know, again, I, I think Brewer is a really good coach, and he's coaching in the NFL for, for, for a reason. I mean, he's a really, really good coach. But I think this is one of those cases where replacing one really good coach with another actually might end up being an overall positive because it's a lot to lose Brewer, but they may actually end up better off with mm. with Pat with Pascal 
in that role because of some of the extra uh, perspective that he brings and expertise that he brings on the spread side of things in terms of some of the ideas that he's going to bring to the table uh, on the offensive side. I think that is a place where there's some real potential to, to get some improvement just in part because it's new blood, but in part because he's got so much expertise and so much to bring to the table in that area that was not Brewer's, you know, high point in that regard. I mean, he, he brought a lot of other things to the table, but that, like you said, Buck was not the place where he was, uh, he was strongest. Right. And, and to follow up on that point, it's all Pascal's ever known. You know, he played in a spread offense in college. He's uh, everywhere he's been as a GA has been for someone in a spread offense. You know, he, he and his brother Walt, Spread offenses are all they ever know. They're they're not just uh, people that know it. They're evangelists. They are really deep uh, believers in the spread offense. So, you know, I, I think maybe he is more immersed in that offense maybe than Coach Brewer was. Not certainly, that. Certainly more than, than Coach Brewer was. And, again, that's not a knock on Brew, who's a right. really good coach. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the other part was the fact that I thought it was interesting that he acknowledged that the most difficult thing for him in the wide receiver room was uh, the players there had to get used to his personality. And and he said that was difficult. They were used to Coach Brewer's personality and being around a guy. And I guess, you know, for all those guys, no matter, you know, what age they are, the only wide receiver coach they've ever known and had to relate to was Coach Brewer. And now they have to get used to somebody who, you know, just doesn't have the same exact personality. I thought it was interesting that he acknowledged that, but uh, at the same time, the the fact that, you know, he had been a graduate assistant under Brewer for five or six years, what he's trying to teach the wide receivers in a lot of respects are the same things. Now, Jason's talked about it, alluded to it, and danced around the issue a little bit. But, you know, there's going to be some changes on offense next year that we've kind of heard but can't really talk about. Some and, of us, and some of us have seen. Uh, and so, you know, the, the, there's that aspect of it too. But uh, at least they are in terms of their – a lot of their the teaching points are going to be exactly the same. And, you know, at practice this year – you know, they have a uh, a drill they do at every practice with wide receivers. They're basically sort of running between these dummies on the field, and they'll go back and forth, and the quarterback will throw them the ball. And I've seen Brewer, Brewer run that drill like a thousand times, and Pascal was running that same drill, you know, this spring. So a lot of the things are going to be the same. But, you know, it's uh, the other piece of it is sometimes – Players are ready for somebody else's voice. They get tired of hearing the same voice all the time. So, you know, that could be um, a refreshing change. But uh, Yes, and I mean, the, the thing there, though, is that you don't have a whole lot of guys who've been in the program four years uh, at this stage at that position. It's still, I mean, you've got a couple guys, but, but it's a fairly young position. So most of those guys aren't going to have gotten burnt out on the prior guy if anything they're still still going to be a little shocked like pascal had mentioned as well that that they're not playing for the guy that recruited him to play that position so that that's i think probably a bigger thing but uh, like you said with some of the changes 
And a lot of this comes from Luke bringing it in. They were able to simplify some things terminology-wise and simplify some things in terms of how they were uh, asking receivers to do specific things, what they were asking them to do, which should help the learning curve for some of the younger guys as well. And that's something that, uh, again, I think not only is he an evangelist for for the spread stuff, he's bringing some of the sort of new wave stuff to try to simplify some stuff for, for, the, for the guys on the outside in particular uh, and maybe get just a little bit more out of, out of younger guys than, than you normally would uh, at a position that is a technical position. It takes a lot of, a long time to learn if you're, if you're, especially if you're a guy like uh, Ratliff Williams, who didn't even play the position in high school, it's a big transition. People don't a lot of times appreciate, and we've talked about it on this podcast before the level of technical prowess that you have to have to play that position. Well, it's not just a be an athlete and go out and, and win. You have to learn how to run routes and make adjustments and do all that. But they've, uh, thanks to to Pascal in large part, they've found ways to to simplify that as much as possible as well, which I think is something to to look forward to. And I think it, you know, overall kind of a takeaway that I got from that segment about talking about Coach Brewer was that it seemed as if Coach Pascal is really set on kind of being his own coach, in other words. Like he's not trying to just be Brewer 2.0. And I think you guys have alluded to the differences um, just in their upbringing, how they view the, the spread, all of that kind of stuff. So do you think, Buck, that that's also kind of playing in here that Coach Pascal is really seeing this as an opportunity to put his stamp on this wide receiver core? Yeah, I, I think so. And, um, you know, Jason was talking about, you know, maybe future opportunities for Pascal. And the, the the thing about it is this is his first power five job. So it is really, really important to him to get this right. Cause next time he has an opportunity to say he has an opportunity as, as an offensive coordinator somewhere, they're not going to judge him on, on what he did as a coach at Arkansas state. They're going to be looking at his power five resume. And so it, it's very, very important for him to get this right. And I think he realizes that and is, you know, putting his entire being into that. So, you know, I think that's another aspect to all of this. And then, Jason, do you have any follow-up to that at all? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with what Buck had to say there. I mean, again, I, I don't think he's co- consciously trying to be different from from Brewer, but he's his own guy, and he knows he brings a lot to the table that he learned from Brewer, but he's his own guy. He's coached elsewhere now. He's got his own opinions on and, and his own philosophies on on certain things, and he's just going to do those things. So I think that's that that's basically that. The other thing, though, that I, I think – may get short shrift and I'm not going to let it get short shrift uh, in this discussion that I think Pascal brings to the table that is really, I'm excited because I, I coach this also at, at, at the high school level is I, it's hard to believe that Fedora actually turned over the reins on, on punt and punt return. And, you know, actually has somebody has somebody else calling the shots on all the special team stuff. But when I, spent the time in the in the in the uh, film room with Pascal going over what he's doing in terms of special teams on some of these units there's a lot of creativity there and there's a lot of a lot of stuff that makes sense that I'm sitting there going well geez I'm gonna do that you know I, I don't know why other people haven't done it before or I haven't seen that done a whole lot before and there's gonna be some there will be a game or two on the margin this year that Pascal's 
special teams contributions may well end up being the difference between winning or losing. That contribution, that addition is also one that I think is really important to consider. Yeah, to add to that point, when Luke was first brought in by Coach Fedora, initially, you know, his first piece of his job was special teams. And he was brought in to be the special teams coach. And so when uh, he and Fedora were talking about it and Fedora wanted him to take over special teams, uh, Pascal asked him, I, he said, uh, well, uh, does that include punt return team? And he asked Fedora that. <laughs> uh, and there's a reason he asked for that, because Fedora's never given it up before. No, he, 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 uh, I, I asked Pascal, uh, you know, how long did it take uh, Fedora to take his cold, dead hands off the punt return team? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, he, he told me that story, and, and Fedora said, well, if I'm bringing you in to be the special teams coach, you, know, you should have all of it. So, and that's a big deal. For yeah, and, Fedora. Uh, and he told me that, that Fedora has absolutely taken his hands completely off. He's given him full reign, which, you know, good for good for Larry on that. That's hard to do. Hard to do with your baby. Yeah. I mean, like you guys said, honestly, if you'd asked me before the season, if there was any chance Coach Fedora would let somebody else touch um, punt returns and things like that, I would have said you're crazy and bet the house against it so I think that just shows though how much faith coach Fedora has in in coach Pascal so uh, that's definitely a positive to me let's take a quick break though here guys and when we get back let's go ahead and and move it into the player discussion part of the interview because I think uh, coach Pascal definitely had some as Buck would call them optimistic things to say but they're in line with, with what we've heard kind of throughout this summer and really during the entire offseason. So let's get to that right after these messages. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Cajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Cajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing. Saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. And we're back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Buck Sanders and Jason Stables. Breaking down Buck's interview of new wide receiver coach Luke Pascal. All right, so we talked about this before we went to break, guys. Uh, but Coach Pascal also had some pretty high praise for the wide receiver group in general, but specifically, he kind of singled out Anthony Ratliff-Williams, uh, and I'm sure that surprises nobody here. Um, but let's listen to the audio clip here uh, when Buck asked him specifically what's been standing out. The next thing is, is his leadership. Because he's an older guy now and because he knows he's made plays in games, there's certain things that a young guy may come in and try to lead, and he just haven't, he hasn't built up that, that reputation yet. He hasn't built up that, that clout yet. He hasn't been to the fire. He has. So now I think 
and he's doing it this summer, is to bring the other guys along. Because his work ethic is very strong and he's made plays, and that's a great recipe for if you're leading the right way, then you, you give yourself a chance, and especially in my room. I'm not talking about the whole team and the offense. Just in the room itself, if, if he's coming out to work every day and he's leading both, both from a physical standpoint and a little bit locally, then the, the room's got a chance to be special. All right, so we're back here. And Jason, going to start with you first on on this one. Hearing kind of that glowing praise about ARW and just how he's maturing, and it sounds as if the team's really looking for him to be a leader both on and off the field. You know, again, going back to where we were talking in the first half about Coach Pascal being an optimistic type of guy, do you, again, see this as kind of being maybe a little bit on the optimistic side? Or do you think that, hey, expectations for ARW are just this high going into this season? Well, I mean, Pascal's not the only person that is saying these sorts of things about Ratliff Williams at this stage. And and what I saw of, of, of practice, the little that I saw in the spring, I don't again, I don't think he's he's adding any fluff here. I mean, I, I think he I think he has very high expectations for what Ratliff Williams is going to be able to bring to the table there. You know, I, I do think, again, you can kind of read between the lines on some of what he said in terms of Ratliff Williams was still learning to to put in the full effort uh, in terms of practice habits and all of that when he when he first came in. There's no, no real indication of that now. I mean, he, he comes to work every day, and I think everybody's seen his talent at this point. And when that guy's coming to work every day and doing everything he's asked to do, and you add that to the speed and the and the frame that he's got, then yeah, you expect that. So and and the, and then the rest of it's just a pretty much pretty natural follow up to that. If you know if he's if he's doing his job and he's he's working that hard and and doing doing all the all the little things, then that in itself is going to start uh, producing the leadership part that 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 he brought in as well. So so yeah, I I think. You know, again, Ratliff Williams is is the guy you that you expect to be uh, the the clear number one receiver this year, and 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 somebody that can make some plays. Unfortunately, with the new uh, kickoff rule, that's a, that's going to cut in a little bit to what he can do on special teams. But you know, I think he's going to be a guy that uh, hopefully, I think they're they're hoping that he can give them just a little more consistency than what he did last year, while still keeping up the uh, the the big plays that he brought, you know, sporadically over the course of the year. And then, Buck, where do you come down on the ARW? I mean, do you see him as kind of being a key player if the Tar Heels are going to improve upon last year's 3-9 and nine record? Well, yeah, uh, I think that's, you know, borders on the obvious. But uh, <laughs> on the other, uh, other side of that, I would say that a lot of the changes I think they have seen in ARW in terms of his practice habits and being more consistent all that sort of thing is that I think last year he got a glimpse of how really good he can be at this game. And you know, once you're, I don't know, I guess uh, John doesn't play golf, but uh, Jason and I play at it. You know, well, once you, you know, you're, you're, you're at that stage of learning where all of a sudden things kind of kick in for you a little bit. And you think, hey, I, I'm not going to suck at this game forever. You know, I'm, I'm going to be pretty good or, you know, at least. Wait, that happens in golf? Yeah, well, a little bit sometimes. <laughs> it goes and comes, mostly yeah. goes. But you, you concentrate, you work on it harder, I think. 
once you get to that stage of learning. So, you know, I, I think last year he saw, hey, I can be a really good wide receiver. And, you know, once I think that was firmly in his mind, then he, he took a di- took a different approach to the to the game. So I, I think that's uh, a big part of it there. And I think there's one other one other thing, and I'll try to dance around it as, as best I can here in, in ways that uh, that can be said. I also think that some of what Pascal has brought to the table in terms of, of some of the ways that they've simplified and, and some of the things that they're, that, that they're asking Ratliff Williams to do, it's stuff that is going to really help accentuate the stuff he does well and does best. And that's another thing. If you're asking your guys to do stuff that they really do best already, and you're finding ways to make use of those things and, and uh, uh, without them having to think a whole lot, that also adds to that. And, and so I think there's also some bit of that where I think what the, the role that they have for Ratliff Williams to play is naturally also going to, to put him in position to be a bit more consistent and to, to be able to produce some of those big plays, even more so than what we saw last year. One other thing, John, uh... He's one of the guys, uh, each team brings two guys to the ACC kickoff. He's going to be, he and Aaron Crawford are the guys that are going this year. Yeah, and that kind of speaks to me about how much of a leadership role they're really expecting ARW to have. Because I think in years past, that's kind of been viewed as a, hey, these are guys that we're really expecting to see big things out of. Or am I mistaken on that? No, you're absolutely correct. And like you said, Buck, I mean, the whole ARW being one of the best players, I mean, it is a, an elementary type thing here. I guess what I was trying to get into is, do you think that given the, the comments by Coach Pascal, that it might almost be a situation where as ARW goes, so goes the, the Tar Heels within games? Well, yeah, I think that's a lot to put on any one player. Uh, I think that's a stretch, personally. Yeah. Uh, Quarterback play, let's face it, is the most critical piece of the offense. And they've got got more than one wide receiver that can play on this team. I mean, they've got some guys that can play. And so if somebody takes takes ARW away, that may mean that some other guys are are actually freed up to to do their thing if the quarterback position – is performing to the level that it, that it needs to. Yeah, and that's kind of, of a key point there. And Coach Pascal didn't get into quarterback play. Um, he mostly just talked about how the, how the wide receivers are, are looking. Um, but I think that's, I mean, obviously, the number one question mark going into the season is you, know, you can have five-star or the equivalent of five-star guys at wide receiver, but if you don't have a quarterback that can, can get him the ball, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, and, and the, you know, usually if you, if you come into a season and you feel good at the quarterback position uh, and on the offensive line, you, you feel real good. And unfortunately right now, that's where the questions are for, for UNC coming into this, into this year. I, I don't think that there's a whole lot of question that the, that the receiver group is going to be productive as long as – they get the the necessary support from from other spots in the offense, but again, the quarterback position is the real is the one that really has to to develop and make sure that that they're able to uh, to get some consistency and to be able to manage the game from that position. And Buck, were you surprised at all that that Coach Pascal didn't really mention 
quarterback play at all, or is that just kind of keeping with the theme that we've seen over the summer where you know, basically any scoop on, on that position is like getting gold out of Fort Knox? No, I could have asked him about uh, quarterback play, but since he's a wide receiver coach, I didn't go there. And, you know, I wouldn't want to elicit responses from the wide receiver coach about the guys in that room because that's somebody else's job. And, uh, you know, uh, we're going to have an interview with uh, Keith Heckendorf, hopefully sometime this summer, and uh, can get his thoughts on it. I don't think that um, – I think Larry Fedora is, a, as we all know, is a very secretive guy. But I don't know that he mandates to his uh, staff that, you know, they have to be just as tight-lipped as, as he tends to be. Because, uh, you know, when we get to this next clip, I ask him about the first-team wide receivers, and he just rattles, rattles them off, you know, like. And Fedor would never do that. So, no, I, I, just didn't, I just didn't ask him about the quarterback room. I figure I don't want him stepping on any other coach's toes, uh, you know, talking about stuff like that. So we just stuck to the wide receiver group. Buck, you are ever the gentleman and a scholar, sir. Ah. All right. Well, hey, you mentioned the next clip that we, we that you'd asked him about the starting lineup. So let's just go ahead and play that and get right into it. You know, if we're going right now, Deami, Daz, and uh, Anthony Ratliff will be the guys that would that would go out there. Fall camp's fall camp. And when Toe and Thomas are completely cleared to go, which we expect them to be, then they'll they'll push. You got Bo Corrales on the outside that's going to be pushing Deami. And he's got some things he's got to work on, but the potential's there. The ability's there, the size is there. And uh, Roscoe Johnson, he's a guy that, that, you know, towards the end of spring had come along, and he'll benefit the group this year. And obviously, Antoine Green, we, we've got to get him ready to go and ready to play. He'll have to play this year. But the, the talent's there, the ability's there. We just got to get him ready mentally. All right, so as you mentioned, Buck, you know, Coach Pascal was just up front with, with who's in the lead right now. Uh, naming Diami, Daz, and Anthony Ratliff-Williams just right off the top of his head there um, that are currently running with the first team. Now, he did mention two other names, though, in Thomas and then um, Toke Rose. Those are guys that got hurt last year. I think they were expected to have much larger roles in the offense to kind of see what they could do now that both of those guys have been inside the system for a while. So, you know, talk about the entry of some of the new, of the young guys in that list, but then also your thoughts on what can happen once uh, Thomas and Groves do return, um, you know, at some point healthy. Well, you know, uh, Pascal said that he, he expected uh, Thomas Jackson and Toe Groves to be ready at fully ready to go to start a fall camp. Now we'll see if that, happens but that's exactly what he told me and you know that that's both those guys are slot guys so that would cut into you know snaps for Daz Newsom if both of those guys are ready to go Uh, so we just have to see how that plays out I think they're going to find other things for Newsom to do you know special teams wise so you know I think he'll have a role in the offense he got a few got some runs and some passes last year in the offense. So I expect him to, you know, get his, get a share of that wide receiver group in in receptions. But uh, whether he'll be the starter there is another question. 
I don't know what to expect really from Antoine Green. I know he's a very, very talented guy, but he's getting there in August. And obviously, Diami Brown is going to be way ahead of him. Just- yeah, you can you can basically count uh, Diami as a as a sophomore at this stage, coming in as a, as an early enrollee with with um, Green really being a freshman. That said, having talked to some of these guys myself, they expect the world out of Antoine Green, yeah. and they they think he's going to be uh, not only not only will he be in the mix right away, but they basically said he has to be in the mix right away. So. That for what it's worth. Yeah, you know, I I think that room is pretty good. I think they've got some guys with size like uh, Bo Corrales, and uh, they got some guys with speed. If if Toe Groves is fully recovered, uh, you know, he's a he's got some quicks, and Roscoe Johnson is not slow. And then you got Diami. You know, they just talk about how explosive he is. That he's just a really explosive receiver. So. Um, I think the room will, you know, is going to work out really well. It's, they're certainly way ahead of where they were last year, uh, this time last year. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, Jason, you know, how impressed do you think you are at this point in the summer with a combination that the Heels have in the wide receiver room between the young, talented guys and then some of the older ones that have um, been just you know going into practice and have been at the, at this college level now for several years. I mean, I think it should be one of the better receiver units in the conference. Um, that said, I mean, I do think that the two most talented wide receivers on the team are the are, are the freshmen. I mean, I think Antoine Green is the most talented receiver on the team, and I don't think it's especially close. And I think Diami uh, Brown is probably the next most talented guy on the team. Uh, And then you get to Anthony Ratliff-Williams, and we all know how talented Anthony Ratliff-Williams is, which tells you about the talent level of those other two guys. And then beyond that, when you're starting to get to Thomas Jackson or Toe Groves or Daz Newsome as your four, five, and six guys, you know, that's that's pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, I I think that's the, uh, that's that's a group that you can win with provided you have support from other places. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think that there's a, that there's one guy out of that group, even with as good as Ratliff Williams is, I don't think there's one guy in that group that's just going to beat a team by himself, you know, or there's going to be a Larry Fitzgerald type guy, but you got guys, you got guys that are matchup problems down the field and you got guys that, that you're not going to be able to single cover this team a bunch in press man and not expect to get beat over the top once in a while. You, you got guys that can threaten you and that can force you to cover. And, and really, in, in Fedora's offense, that's really what you need. You need to have, you know, four guys that you can stick out there that force the defense to, to bring that extra safety back and to, to cover the field a little bit and, and put guys in space so that you can, you can open up those running lanes. And I think they have that in this group. So, I mean, it's a, uh, if I were going to grade, grade the group uh i'd probably say at this stage it's probably a b plus group in terms of if i'm grading it nationally it's got the potential to be a little better than that if the young guys develop and with those young guys getting older they got a chance to to really push even better than that by next year because of uh because of the talent level of the of the two freshmen 
Let me ask you guys this question then. When you're looking at the skill positions, so the wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs, because I think, Buck, you're also planning to do an interview with running backs coach Gillespie here at some point over the summer, right? Yes. All right. So between the talent level at both of those, do you guys think that Carolina is kind of set at the skill positions going into 18 or... Do you think that there could be some struggles there similar to what we saw last season? Uh, Especially, I think, the running back group, they're in almost as good a shape as the wide receiver room. Michael Carter had a hell of a spring, you know, and I don't want to get into that whole room at this point. We'll talk about that more in the next week or so. But, you know, I think skill-wise, they don't have any issues. Quarterback. That's another question, but uh, the running backs, the wide receivers, the tight end group, uh, they're all fine there. They only have 19 starts on the offensive line, and you know that's, that's going to be something that you're going to have to watch. But as far as talent goes, I think this offensive line is about as talented an offensive line as they've ever had. They just haven't played yet. I think probably – and again, that's something else that we can wait to get into at a different time. But, um, you know, Jason called it early when he said that, uh, you know, quarterback and, and offensive line, if you're feeling good about those positions and you're kind of feeling good about your offense, and, and those are two unknowns right now. We know that there's some, some talent there, but putting everything together, uh, pulling it all together, that's a different question. So we'll just have to see. All right, Jason, let's get your final thoughts there. Well, I mean, again, I, I, I just want to echo Buck on, and basically his conclusions there that, that I think that, the, that the, the foundation for a quality offense is really there across the skill positions. I, I, and I agree with him that, that, that the offensive line has the talented bodies on the roster to be a good step forward from what we saw last year. The real questions are, first of all, are they going to get the maturity, the, the health, and, and all of that to come together on the offensive line to be able to gel to do that? And, you know, that, that's a, so much on the offensive line is about chemistry and learning to play with the guy next to you, and that's not just, uh, it's not just a talent thing, but they have the talent to be good there. I think the receiver receiver group is is again one of the better in the ACC, and the running back group is is a quality group. So it really does come down to whether or not they're able to get the leadership, the game management, and the consistency out of that quarterback position to be able to make the necessary throws to threaten defenses, and then to be able to uh, ensure that the offense is is in the right in the right play is you know is running properly so they're not turning the football over and not not causing problems if they can get that out of the out of the quarterback position this offense is going to put up points and and you know they've got they've got the capacity to do a lot on on offense i'm i'm optimistic about it uh despite it being a, a difficult schedule um i just i'm i'm in a wait and see mo- uh, mode in terms of what they're going to get out of that quarterback position and uh, and and that that really is is going to be the make or break for for the season in so many ways. All right. Well, let's wrap the the podcast up with this, Buck. After concluding the interview with uh, Coach Pascal, what were your final takeaways? 
it's always refreshing to talk to somebody that's not going to be uh, overly guarded and, you know, doesn't really want to talk about personnel and just gives you cliches and a coach speak and, you know, doesn't, and, and, and acts like he really doesn't want to be there. And it's refreshing to talk to somebody that is uh, more forthcoming. They act like they want to be there. They don't mind spending time with you. Um, so I, I appreciated those things about doing the interview and the information that he shared with me. And you know, that that's kind of the my final thoughts about it. All right. And Jason, go ahead and um, kind of wrap us up here with your final thoughts uh, on reading the transcript uh, from that interview. Again, it's, it's, I think a good introduction to a lot of his personality as a coach. And, and he was honest in that interview. I, I think there's a, there's a lot to be optimistic about, you know, the interviewer could have gotten a little bit more into the, uh, into the special team side, but you know, I digress. <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited about, uh, Luke Pascal being a, being a coach at, at North Carolina, and I think uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot a lot to be excited about in terms of what he's bringing to the table, and and I think that group is going to be one of the strongest groups on this team uh, coming into this year, and and they're going to need to be strong to to be able to uh, to get through what I think is a pretty difficult schedule this year. All right, well, thank you to you both for for joining me. Uh, we will continue with the interviews of the UNC coaches, and then breaking them down here in the podcast. So everyone listening in, stay tuned for that. Uh, But for now, Jason Buck, thanks again, guys. Enjoy it, John. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.